Hey, Jimmy and Ryan from the popular recording band Picture This. Hello, Owen. Hi, Owen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 3, Season 2 of Deep Diving. Picture This are Ryan, Jimmy, Owen and Cliff. In the space of four short years, they went from releasing their first ever single as a band to selling out five nights in Ireland's Three Arena. That's about 70,000 tickets and signing to Republic Records, home of Drake, Ariana Grande and Post Malone. On this podcast, they discussed their meteoric rise to fame, how they were offered two Lamborghinis and half a million dollars to sign a record deal, and their methods for staying unfazed as their star rises. As we join the conversation, Jimmy has just been telling us how he started off drumming for Irish artist Ryan Sheridan, who was moderately successful, and making his own money by posting drumming videos on YouTube. Everything changed when he met a young man called Ryan Hennessy. This is Deep Diving with Jimmy and Ryan of Picture This. So when you met Ryan, did you know? Were you like, this is the guy? Or or did it, was that a more organic happening? Um, I had, Ryan was playing in like an, another like pub band kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, I pretty much knew straight away. Yeah. Like, I knew that this is the, this is the guy but I have to get him away from this band. <laughs> it's no funny, shade. It's what funny how it? my brain was thinking, though, because I was thinking like that. I was like, yeah. okay, but I have to, like, I have to get Ryan on his own mm. because he's got serious talent. I didn't know Ryan was as good a songwriter as he was. Yeah. I just knew he was a great performer. So that's a happy singer. coincidence, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, it literally wasn't until what solidified it was when Ryan did put up the video of Take My Hand and he was playing it on his own. Yeah. And I was like, this is it. The second I saw it, I was like, this this is it. This package right here is what's going to do it. And I bet my whole life on it. And I told all of my industry friends or whoever, everyone who was working around me, I said, I'm telling you, this is the next big thing. And I was right. <laughs> but it's just funny how, like, I just knew. I remember I was with my brother as well. The night we saw that video of Ryan posted up online, it was just fresh and it was new and it was just raw talent. And it was innocent. Yeah, you know and that's what makes it magic because the minute you try and manufacture, because uh, everyone does it even now to get an artist, they try and manufacture them into something, you know. And LA told me you'll be a pop star. Exactly. All you have <laughs> to change is everything you are, <laughs> <laughs> and that happens all the time. But when you find something that has the the raw power already behind it, all you have to do is just push it. Yeah, and it's gonna go instantly, and. Boy, did it go! Like it, <laughs> it was mental. And I, I, it, I'm, I'm not boasting or anything, but I knew it. Oh fuck, lads! Well, I, I told it's... everybody, like, because at the time I was still playing with other people, and I, I wasn't doing anything. And I, and I even remember saying to Ryan, like, I didn't want to be in the band. Like, I want Ryan was the one who asked me what. So you wanted to do? I the wanted back to end. start a band, but I was kind of like, because I knew Ryan would want me to be in it. But at the same time, in my head, I was like. I don't know if I can be because th- I've never done that. Okay, well, pause there for a sec because I want to oh, bring Ryan in because he's sitting there very patiently. So Jimmy's doing his drumming thing and he's coming up and he's seeing all the stuff with Ryan Sheridan and he's happy to be in the background. When all this is going on and you're a teenager, are you going, I'm going to be a massive famous frontman or or did it take the taste of it for you to want it, if you know what I mean? Um, yeah, took the taste. I never had any inclination that I would be involved in music whatsoever really that was the last thing I thought I'd be involved in I wasn't into music growing up well I was but not into music like what were you into football and girls and clothes yeah, and okay. that was kind of it which is still pretty pretty accurate um, but yeah that's all I was interested in I um, I just was a passive music listener and 
I took up music as a subject for my leaving cert and that's what kickstarted. I'd always been writing poetry since I was like seven, so I was always interested in words. Can you remember any of the poems you wrote? Like the Glan Vjower, as they say, Osquelga, <laughs> off my heart. No, I don't remember any off my heart. I still have them all. Okay. My granddad was a poet and he he died and my innocent um, way of showing my love for him was to write a poem to put on his grave when he died. And that's, do, you remember, do you remember that poem? I don't remember that poem. I came across it recently. Um, okay. what I, age saw, you I have it. I was seven. Okay. Um, yeah, I was around seven, seven, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's where it all started. And then I just realized that, oh my God, I really, I really like this. And this is a great way to, um, express myself and I get a buzz off it. Um, but I didn't know I could sing until it was literally, I had to choose music as a subject for my leaving cert because I wasn't good at anything else. And then there was loads of girls in the class. So I was like, I'll go to music and see what this is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I couldn't play any instruments at the time. So I was like, the teacher was like, you're going to have to do something. And I was like, uh, he was like, can you sing? I was like, I don't think so. And he was like, well, try. And then I tried singing. And I, um, first person I ever sang in front of was my dad. I remember being up in my room at home and uh, nervously for an hour, I walked downstairs and walked past the sitting room door. I kept wanting to go in to say, can I sing for you? But I just didn't have the, the nerve to do it. And I walked past the door like 10 times. And then eventually I just like bailed in the door and I was like, asked my dad, could I sing for him? And he was like, really? I was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, sure. And then I sang, I actually sang an Irish song, um, a song called Come My Little Son, which I had heard Luke Kelly sing. Oh, wow. Um, which I, I liked that music at the time. I still do. Um, and then I sang for him and he was just, he was just speechless and he was like, where the fuck did that come from like what the hell he had no idea that I could I had no idea that I could sing yeah and then he was just and actually did you appreciate when you sang were you like oh I'm pretty good like were you self-aware enough to know you had something yeah I knew I could I knew I could hold a note I didn't think I was amazing or I didn't think I was like a great voice or anything I just knew that I could sing because I've heard people not be able to sing Um, so I knew I could sing I knew I could hold a note yeah but I didn't think it was anything to write home about yeah but everybody started to tell me that it was and then I was like, oh, right, I'm onto something here. And yeah. then that made me realise, let's marry the poetry with the singing and start writing songs. Um, and it all just started from there. And then I, I joined, I started a pub band. Yeah. And we would play covers and original songs when I was, I think it was between the age of like 19 to 20. Oh, and you're doing pub bands and you're doing covers and originals and sometimes people are paying attention and sometimes they're not and sometimes they like the song and sometimes they don't give a shit and sometimes they're drunk and blah, 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 blah. Can you get a sense of that, that, whoa, yeah, I like this. Give me some more of this. Yeah, because I was very, very lucky. We weren't a conventional cover band. It was like we played weird songs. Yeah. And we played a lot of originals and we always had a great reception. Jimmy will tell you, Jimmy was at every show. He used to come to every every time we play. It was just rammed and people just loved it because I think a lot of people love the fact that, because I was known around town just the way anybody is known around town in a small town everybody knows everybody everyone was like this is a young guy who plays football and that's kind of it and then all of a sudden I was the f- singer in a band and then everyone was like what the what's going on here so everybody was interested and everybody was all constantly coming down and then they they could see that I could sing and we're doing our own music yeah. and everybody really kind of bought into that so I never really had to like play into like 10 people and nobody being interested I've never actually experienced that really Yeah. so I'm lucky I, f- I feel very lucky that way I kind of feel like we could take three hours to go through the chronology of how it kicked off. So maybe we'll we'll fast forward it a little bit. You put out Take My Hand. That story, I think, is well told. Mm-hmm. It goes nuts. Yeah. 
you put out a few subsequent singles after that and very quickly in the space of like four songs you're selling out the Olympias of the world mm-hmm. it's probably apparent to you you just could sell out bigger venues yeah. like how soon into your catalogue of songs did you go we could have a crack at being bigger than what Ireland can give us I think for me it was a lot later than Jimmy because even from Take My Hand like Jimmy already said from Take My Hand he was like this is going to be the biggest song ever and I wasn't aware of that at all I really didn't realise that and I was always confident and I always liked the songs we were doing and it was my first taste of really making music so everything was such a buzz for me even just to hear a song recorded that I had written was like oh my god yeah um so for me, it took it took a while to realize to, for it to really hit home. I think it was when we it was probably when we sold out the academy as a debut show. Was like I was like, oh wait, there's something something really happening here. People yeah. really want to actually come and see us. What's the capacity there? Eight hundred for a debut. I think we were the first band ever to sell it out on a debut show. We were supposed to play the Grand Social, which is two hundred or whatever, and it sold out in minutes. And then all of a sudden, we were playing the academy, which I had heard about over the years. People playing the academy, so I thought it was it was such a big deal. Yeah. And that made me realise, wow, there's something here. But it took me it took me a long time to realise that we could... I was always confident, but it took me a long time to realise, all right, this is actually possible for us to be more than just what we are right now. Yeah, okay. You started off, the band was marketed as you, just the two of you together. Yeah. And then the two lads, I, they're, are they your pals? Are they your long-time pals? What's the decision to go from... Because I guess the script is a good example they're marketed as a three piece but I think on paper there's five people in the band legally I think I'm, I might be slightly mistaken but what was the thinking between it being a Ryan Jimmy versus a traditional four piece band well at the beginning like it's it's weird It's I guess it's the Irishness of us like we're extremely confident and I, I'm extremely confident in this song but like we didn't like hold back and like manufacture a band behind it and then put out the song which we probably should have done but we didn't. We just put it out. Like, we recorded it and just put it on Facebook. And all of a sudden, we're a band. Yeah. And everyone's like, who's this band? Who's this band? And there's requests coming in like crazy for interviews, for every, like, and all of a sudden, we're a band where before it was just like a band name. We didn't have, we didn't care. It was like, we just knew this song was great. We just wanted to put it out because we were just proud of it. Yeah. And then it wasn't until like, I started talking to our manager, Brian, who I knew for years, obviously. Um, and Brian wanted to help out and get involved. And he gave us a lot of pointers of like, hold back. Let's take a break. That's why we didn't release another song for like three months. Okay. Let's take a break and let's figure out what we're actually going to do here. And that's when we decided, okay, let's make this into a band. You know, yeah. it's just, it's a lot of people would have seen us as a two piece because the first month of that song being out, that's when we got a lot of attention. Yeah, and it was just seen as me and Ryan. Yeah, okay. I think it was it was a lot longer than that though as well. It was like until, yeah, the, up until the first album, it was but like the we, artwork and stuff, even from some of the early stuff. Too, yeah, the, the paint, the EP, yeah. all splashed in paint. EP. It was just you boys, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That up until like the first after the first album, it was me and Jimmy. But the thing was that we quickly realized on posters and stuff, it looked like a acoustic duo. Okay, because it's two people, so people just automatically assume oh, it's probably an acoustic duo. But yeah. we've always been a big band sound, and the lads have always been there from the beginning. Um, so it just made sense for the boys to step forward. Um, I think it was kind of out of easiness sake for us in the beginning because me and Jimmy were just doing everything. Yeah. So we were always just around, we're like, let's take this photo and post it online. It was always just the two of us. And then when we went to record the first album, the four of us went over. That was when we made the decision to be like, this is the four of us are going to go and record everything. It's yeah. not going to be me and Jimmy and then session players. And I don't know if you've ever heard the big famous um, 
it's about two years old now, the big Chris Martin, Zane Lowe interview. And Chris talks about how they split the songs. And he was like, we used to split it even Stevens four ways. And then the band came to him and said, do you know what? We're really happy with our lot. And you do way more than we do. And they <laughs> volunteered back some royalties. Right. Did you have a conversation about how that happened? I assume you have to, like, because it's you're picking up steam and all of a sudden the friendship. I'm just thinking of bands where it's gone wrong, actually. Yeah. yeah. The friendship becomes a business and the songs are royalties and the sync fees and there's, I presume, performance royalties. All of a sudden it's, hey, this fun thing we wrote is suddenly worth a lot of money. And I assume you have to be crystal clear about that shit early. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But the the thing is that me and Jimmy write write the songs. Mm-hmm. Me and Jimmy write and produce the songs. Okay. And then the guys play on the songs. Yeah. So it's a different it's a different scenario than if if they were all getting credit for writing the songs in the beginning. It's sure. always been me and Jimmy. So those lines are are clear early on, and yeah. there's no. It's always been, been very yeah, okay. clear. Yeah. We've yeah. Been, yeah. You have to you have to be very clear because they're our friends. Take the royalties out of it. Just the general. All of a sudden, the fun band is we'll get into the big signing of the big record deal and all but mm-hmm. among even before that happens and you saw like three arena before you you signed the the republic deal did you it was same time actually Around the same, same time, time yeah. yeah but even at that okay so you're selling shifting all these tickets and i assume you're shifting albums you're shifting merchandise as money coming in blah 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 you're employing people i guess you've yeah. got yeah. your manager and then you've got a mm-hmm. tour manager and then you've got roadies and yeah. all this stuff does when it starts to get serious Financially, does that change the dynamic of how you all interact with each other? No, it doesn't. Like it, it can if you're that kind of person, for sure. And it still doesn't. Like we, we don't care about money. You know, there's there's a reason we've got a big team of people who are very, very close to us. Yeah, like we are a very, very tight knit group of people when we're together, and everyone has their own lane. Everyone does their own thing. So we do have a money guy who's very close to us, and yeah. like. We, it's not that we don't care but like you trust that that's being handled exactly and we don't strive to make money yeah, yeah. We, we only work to be the band that we want to be we, and the money is just so happened it just so happened to make money at the same time yeah yeah. you know and, well, but of course we're not idiots like we don't treat it like yeah that's, a, that's what I was just going to say we're yeah. very involved and very yeah. very clued in um, into that, know, that yeah. side of it but the business side of it we're very involved yeah but it's like I always think like me and Jimmy have never had a conversation about money ever. You would think that you would probably think that money would be a big thing because I mean, I came from earning, I was on the dole before the band. So I used to get like 80 euro a week. Wow. So then when you're then getting money for all this thing, you think, oh, that would drive you and drive you. But I guess it's just the way we're raised maybe. Oh, there's a lot of, I think it's well established psychology around a certain threshold of money and after you breach that it doesn't, your your happiness doesn't increase yeah. in tandem with your wealth. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So can, yeah, and I think that's important that we that's something that we had established from very and that's something we had in me and Ryan anyway in our mindset that like like I do remember like when we first started doing big gigs and you see like the checks coming in you're like oh boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh my god. Life's about to change. But yeah, yeah. it doesn't change. No, you no. think in your head oh my god okay this is it for the rest of our lives we're, we're done. Yeah. But after a while, it, that just doesn't cross your mind. You don't care because we're just not that kind of people. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah the band is like, a, we always talk about it like it's a, it's another person in the room. Yeah. yeah. You know, that that money doesn't matter to it and nothing matters to it, but it has to be protected and we have to make sure that it's, it's um, like it's bigger than all of us. You know, it's this powerhouse of magic that we don't fully understand, but we just keep feeding it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, it's weird to explain, but like we don't treat the band like a business. 
we run it like a very good business, but we don't treat it like one because I think the second you do, it's just you've lost the magic. Yeah. Um, my take on you guys, so Jimmy, you're very chatty in person and then on stage you're not massively extrovert you're kind of you're you're calm you do your thing and you enjoy the moment and Ryan's the opposite you're not massively chatty in real life you're kind of a little bit introvert but then on stage you're a big extrovert and you dance and you you're wearing these loud outfits now and you've you've kind of become a front man like a real front man Mm -hmm. so from two different personalities how has the fame side of things how's that sitting with you because you're famous now yeah um, it's it's a really tough thing to describe. I think I always struggle to describe it. Um, try be- because I'm going. I'm going to try. <laughs> um, it's very. I hate when people. I personally hate when people come out and be like, "Oh, I don't want to be famous." I was like, "Well, just stay in your bedroom then and keep your songs in your bedroom if you don't want to be famous." If you're going to put out music, you have to be. You have to be ready to be famous then. If if you believe in it, the the, the weird question is that people always ask is, the oh, you must get so annoyed people coming up asking you for photographs and stuff." And I never have ever. I'm, I'm like obviously we're not on a crazy level where it's like you can't go anywhere. Ireland is is it's you have to navigate that carefully. But um, I feel so much appreciation for people who want to photograph or want an autograph or want a video for their friend because it's like why why would I not? It's like they want to share my music and yeah. and it's a common thing that they have with their friends or or their family. So that end of it doesn't has never gotten hasn't gotten to me yet. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I suppose it, Ireland is still, I think, relatively civilized in that there's no huge paparazzi culture. Yeah. If it goes worldwide the way it's gone in Ireland, I'm sure you will find levels of it that are really uncomfortable. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, like in America, I think you you didn't like the going into Craig's and stuff. We were really paparazzi and had to do like TMZ and had to do like interviews and stuff, which I actually really liked. Okay, because it was I like away. he's like. In general, I t- it. Clarify what that was. No, we we were going actually to the to the Jonas Brothers after party. Yeah, recently before Christmas, and yeah, so we go to their party. But anyway, you come outside this famous place in LA where you're bombarded by paparazzi. I get up in your face and start asking you questions and bright lights, bright lights, and I. And do they know who you are, or did you do that yeah. to everybody just in case? Oh, they know. Who who you are. Are. They they research who's coming. Because, like, you know, I'm sure you will soon be mega famous in America, but you're not famous there yet. So, no, exactly. how do they know? Just homework. Homework, but yeah, same thing. If someone's showing up to an after party at Craig's with the Jonas Brothers, they're, they're invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're yeah. going to know who you are. Just again, just in case. It's weird. It is, it is weird, weird. But but yeah, for me personally, I don't like that, and I don't. It's not that I don't like it. I just I'm, I'm I'm very uncomfortable. I'm always been uncomfortable with fame. I always run away. <laughs> like if there's ever a crowd of people, like it probably seems ignorant. I'm running away, but I just can't. I don't like it. Like I, 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 I am chatty and stuff, but it's just weird. It's just weird transition for me from going from being in the music industry for so long and just playing and liking the position I'm in to all of a sudden now you're there's people coming towards you. I just, I don't know. I just really don't like it. How did you find the LA thing? Because I, I, I kind of think of different Irish people who have tried it. Colin Farrell, I think, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you two never really decided to go to America, even though it was their biggest market. No, yeah. never lived there, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I know Rob Sheehan tried it and hated it. We love it. We love LA. When yeah. I fir- when I first got there, I hated it. We were on, we went on a trip to meet producers for our first um, album, and I really didn't like it because first we, album for our very first album. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and which we ended up doing in Nashville, which was a completely different um, vibe. But yeah, I didn't like it because we were only there for like two days, so you don't get a real taste of it. It was no. just like warm and you were just in meetings all the time. So I was like, oh, I don't really like this place. But then once you go back and actually spend time there, 
we find it so inspiring and it really gets us creatively flowing. It's probably where we're most creative now mm-hmm. is when we're in LA, which sounds really wanky. But Why? What is it about LA? Is it just because you know there are other, it's the epicentre of the it's, industry or is there something about the actual, the landscape, the yeah. food, the people, the whatever? It's a, it's a mix of everything. I think it's mostly people's attitudes, I find. It's like you're just so, people are so... They want the best for you. Like I know people think. Is that, that a lot of bullshit though? Is that the whole? No, that's what I was about to say. Tell lot. everyone that everyone's class. Yeah, but no, that, you you so happen to be very successful. But like they would say it to anybody who walked in the door. Hey, you're the yeah you're the cheese man. Yeah, if you go into those circles, yeah, but we don't. We know we we've established a great group of people over there who want the best for us and really work closely with us and want the best for the band. Yeah, and it's just people's attitudes in general over there. Um, is very refreshing, and it's just. It's always sunny. You're always happy. Just stuff to do, places to go. Mm. It's just yeah. I think of an important thing about LA, which a lot of people forget. If if you want to go to LA and get something from it, you won't. But if you go to LA and you bring something to LA, it'll you'll be enhanced and it'll flourish and it'll become something, which is exactly what we did. Exactly. I like we, that. Well, it's true, and I don't. I see so many people who go to LA and they're like, "Okay, here we go. Now it's it starts now." It's not going to start. It's never going to start. It might, for some people, if they work hard enough, cool, but you're up against a thousand other people who are trying to do the same niche thing you're doing. You know, <laughs> We're at the same level, probably. Exactly. Well, like When we went to LA, we just didn't care about anybody. Like We were going into writing sessions with the biggest writers in the world, and we were planning on telling them that I'm the lead singer, just, just to fuck with them. Because like. mm-hmm. we just weren't arsed. We just didn't care because we were so... Okay, well that's... That could be conceived as being cocky well, or as not, being... But we were just Irish lads who were just having the crack and we didn't <laughs> care. Yeah, we are having the crack, but you're also, also with the biggest songwriters in the world who write songs that make millions. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, of course we respected it, but like we were just, we were just having so much fun. Like t- t- think of four Irish lads who've never been anywhere. And yeah. think we're in LA and with these amazing people. Like it's very, we're very naive. It's hard to take it, but it was true to all those things that it is actually how we found the people that work with us now and the yeah. people that work best with us the most and we went there with something and it was actually mad when we were in those sessions and we were we weren't timid and or, or shy and asking people to help us we were just coming and saying hey we're this band we do this and then it instantly narrowed down everybody and there were certain people who were like I want to get involved and help Yeah, and that's when I realised that even the statement I said like that's when I actually realised that when you do bring something to LA and you're and you're yourself it's instantly going to be fresh and new compared to going to LA to try and get something out of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, like there's, I, I knew, I knew people who went to LA and uptight, you know, worried about it, trying to become friends with everyone. They're changing their personality. You know, they're changing everything about themselves to fit into this lifestyle that they're, they're advertised that they should live, mm. you know, and that's sad in a way because you've instantly lost who you are. Yeah. And that's, again, the great thing about being Irish is that, you're relaxed and you're very proud of where you come from. <laughs> and do you know what as well? So, you know, uh, so dude, the Australian Love Island, mm. if anyone doesn't know that, I'd narrate it. And the host of it is a, a lady called Sophie Monk, who's Australian. But for a time, she was almost, she almost cracked Hollywood. Like she's got, she was in a few Adam Sandler films, kind of the hot chick in some comedy films. She was engaged to Benji Madden from Good Charlotte right. for a while. And so she said she was in that circle for some time and she said she bet a party and like, you know, Brad Pitt would be at the party. She's like proper A-list parties, but mm-hmm. like that there was a circle of people there who socially maybe 
knew enough people they could get invited to the parties, but she said they were never at the races. Yeah. And yeah. she said the access yeah. to the people who were at the races gave them a false sense of they could. Yeah. When she was totally. like, they couldn't. That's yeah. what, that is, that's LA down to a T. Like that is literally it down to a T. And that's what I'm saying about us when we go over and we are ourselves that you instantly cut out all that stuff. You instantly cut out of, oh, we're trying to make friends with people. Yeah. And yeah. we kind of went and we were, we just were ourselves and people came to us. That's very, yeah, that's very true. I think yeah. that's why people accept us so much is because I always feel off people and people always say, these these Irish boys don't give a fuck. Like, they don't care. They're yeah. they're so themselves. And so but I guess they have to realise the, the, the nonchalance of not giving, giving a fuck, but also like super driven and oh, all that's, yeah. exactly, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, these, yeah. these Irish boys are doing whatever. They're doing it. Whether anybody yeah. else likes it or not, they're going to do it. And then people jump on board with that. Yeah. And we're just like a, a we're like a, a show for people in America because we're like even we went to a, a house party recently mm. with, with, with Jason who's who's worked on our, our last album works on a lot of stuff with us Jason D'Azuzio great producer Jason Derulo Jason D'Azuzio he, he's, worked, he's worked with Jason Derulo okay. um, and I just remember walking in there was me Jimmy uh, Owen Cliff Ben and Ethan ben and Ethan who are our videographer and our photographer mm. and they were with us I just remember when we were walking in I was very, very nervous because like you, you said I'm a bit reserved and I was like, I don't know anybody in this house. I'm a bit nervous. Then the end of the night, it was just like, we were so stereotypically Irish. It was crazy. And all, because <laughs> we were just like standing on tables singing the old triangle or so, or something like that. Yeah. And the whole house was just like video. And I was like, like all stopped talking. Oh, these crazy Irish yeah. kids. Yeah. We and were just doing what you usually do. Yeah, we, were, yeah. we were starting to sing songs and we were like having the crack and every, we were trying to get people to join in but they were just like gobsmacked looking mm. at us. Like, it Uninhibited was, actually. I'd say everyone in LA is probably a bit too self-aware of their own. Exactly. exactly. Every, everyone, exactly. Was, yeah, everyone was like aware of what they were saying to people what they <laughs> yeah. looked like and they just couldn't believe that we just didn't care that much. We were trying to have fun. Like, yeah. And yeah. It's amazing. That it's funny. Like in, that, in those moments there's a magnifying glass on everybody because it's like oh okay so all these people are here to try and Make them make their career better, or yeah. meet someone, or which is what the town is for. You exactly, can't what's them that for. either? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. it's just funny that when you go in with an attitude like we do, where we're like, "Oh, we're these people, and we're not going to change to try and suit someone else's agenda," it actually attracts everyone to you. Exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everyone's coming to you, <laughs> yeah. being like, "I remember you from that party," and we're like, <laughs> yeah, "Oh God, what party? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what party?" And then all of a sudden, that's that's how magic happens, and that's how magic has happened to us. A lot. And it's not cocky; it's just it's just who we are and how we were raised. And yeah. we're not blinded by like like we've been to a lot of crazy parties or with a lot of famous people, but we're, we don't really care that yeah, much yeah. Um, because we're only ever interested in our band and our music. And if someone comes to us and says we want it, like the way Jason did. You know, I want to help. I understand you. I want to do anything to try and get you guys going. It's like, wow, that's amazing. Like, we appreciate that. And that's how it works because we have that mutual understanding of each other. Yeah. But we're not going to go sucking up to somebody to try and make it work. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just, it's just different ways of, um, of uh, approaching LA for sure. Okay. When you signed, how long is it since you signed the deal with, with Republic Records? We actually signed Republic October 2016. Okay. Like that was a year. We were only a band, only a band a year. That's exciting. Like, that was nuts how that all happened. It was scary. It was scary at the time. It was, Why it was, was scary? scary? It was scary because like Jimmy said, we're only a band a year. And for me anyway, I'm only in music a year in yeah. general. And then all of a sudden, the biggest record label in the world are like, they want to sign you and they're really really want to sign you it's not like oh there's some interest they're aggressively coming at you yeah we're mm -hmm. flown to New York we were flying to New York 
to do a like a thing for this Irish bar yeah. and showcase. The show, yeah, and then well, it wasn't even a showcase; no, it, was it was that was, thing, it was just some party, an Irish bar party. Yeah, yeah. 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 and then it just so happened that Chris, um, who was, who has become a very good friend of ours since from Republic, Chris Tecca, he just messaged us on Facebook and he was like, "Yo, I just came across your music. Are you guys ever?" going to be in the States and we're like we're actually in New York next week and he was like oh my god let me set up a showcase and blah 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 and he did and then Island came in Warner Republic um, Glassnote all of those labels came in at the one time and came to a showcase yeah, like the top guy yeah like, <laughs> it was nuts. and we played a showcase and, and we, is that a showcase with no fans you're just playing for these was, suits like a few fans we actually were like it was a mix yeah it was a few bands playing that night we were one of the bands we only had like 30 minutes yeah okay and, and they all came and then the next morning we had four Offers from all the labels. Like wow! Four Amer- like I mean, four American record label, big, big deals. Like they're not fucking around. Like who's on Republic? Who, who, who? Are your label mates? Ariana Grande, Post Malone, Jonas Drake. Brothers, Drake, The Weeknd, The Weeknd, James Bay. And in my head, that seems very Disney movie. Oh, there's lots. Yeah, there's lots of other kind of acts here. But no, no, in, in my head, that seems oh, like mean, a script oh, yeah, of a okay. Disney movie. Right, yeah, yeah. I don't mean like it was, Disney stars sorry, have gone yeah, there. Maybe that yeah, too. Yeah. But, but. Is was it also terrifying? Like, like was it kind of oh, run before we can walk, or were you going, this is class, let's do it? It, it was a mix of both for me. Anyway, I was, I just remember being very scared, and I remember talking to Jimmy a lot about it, and and I remember talking to our manager a lot about it. I remember when the record contract came in from, we had decided to go with Republic after yeah. meeting with all the labels, and I remember we were, <laughs> we were in shorts in Waterford on our first Irish tour, and the record contract came in that we were going to sign with Republic. Wearing shorts or shorts of venue? Oh, shorts is a, is a venue. Okay, cool. And um, I just remember my our manager taking us taking me for a walk because he knew I was really nervous and just being like, this is happening, so you need to... Get on board, baby. Get on board or get get off board, whatever, because if, if you want to get off board, you have to do it now, or now's the time to, and you can do it if you want. Um, As in what, leave the band? Yeah, like if you're not willing to do this, then... Like get make, a job make, and yeah, make your decision. Class. And yeah. I was, and Jimmy had that attitude too with me, um, because I was so fresh to it. They're experienced in, yeah. in music, to to their extent. And um, I never had any doubt that I wanted to do it. I was just scared because a year ago I was on the dole. I guess it's like James Corden doing the sports quiz, and all of a sudden going here. Do you want to do the Late Late Show? Yeah. After a, after a year of being, that jump, uh, yeah. yeah, of being in it. Yeah, um, fair enough. So it was very scary, but and. <laughs> No, I was just thinking of a story. Actually, I, I want to tell a story about yeah, that on. time. Don't embarrass me. No, it's not. It's just, it's actually funny because talking about like how record labels were coming to try and sign us and then you get publishing deals as well or whatever. There was publishers flying from all over the world, right? <laughs> Explain that to the layperson, the difference. It's like, so publishing is like it, where you can get your songs on radio or TV and they collect the monies, the money for those royalties or whatever. Okay. So they do like, a, like a, a publishing deal. It's like your music is published and whatever and you get royalties for whenever it's performed or whatever. So people will come in and give you a publishing deal where they'll give you a big advance and then they'll recoup it and they'll give you a percentage and they'll make it because they'll collect it all over the world, blah, blah, blah. But like, we were just, like, even you remember at the start when we were we were starting up, like, it was just magic. We were selling out everything. We were selling out venues, even in the UK, like everywhere. Like, it was nuts. Yeah. This guy flies from LA, right? To Limerick. To, to Limerick. <laughs> we, were playing, we were playing in Dolan's. Class. Yeah, he comes in and he's just so straight up. He's like... He's offering us, you know... How much? He's, he said, this is exactly what he said. He said, I will give you whatever you want if you sign publishing with us. And I said, I want a Lamborghini. And he said, all right, what else do you want? And I said, I want two Lamborghinis. And he said, all right, 
was the only one. <laughs> and he was going to give us six figures on the, the million side. You this, know. Is, this is old news, so tell us this the is, number. Come on. I can't. I can't remember like, what the number was. Not, I'm not asking you to say what you eventually signed it, for. What did he, what what number did he float? God, I've not. I can't remember genuinely. Don't know six figure number, but I, okay. I do remember it was probably over half a million. But wow. he would have given Ryan two Lamborghinis. He he was like, I'll, I was like, I can't even drive. You sure you want to give me those Lamborghinis? <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was like, yeah, right. I mean, it was like I know Ryan's talking about being scary, but like I know, for example, I'm I'm experienced in the music industry, but nothing can prepare you for a guy who flies ten hours. And it comes straight up to you. From the says, epicenter of showbiz. Yeah. To Limerick. Like, we have studios. To Limerick. Yeah, like, he's like, I can give you a studio in Santa Monica. We can bring you over there. I'll give you two Lamborghinis. I'll give you over half a million quid. Whatever you want, you can have it right now if you sign with me. Right now. Oh, shit. He wants you to sign in the venue. But, like, well, he would have. Yeah. Like, if we said, yeah, bang, he would have done it. Like, he sent the thing the next day. I think, yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, nothing can prepare you for that kind of... And that's what makes you scared. You're kind of like... Yeah. Whoa, because and actually, it, it's probably that level of that level of success or availability, access to things, that sends people off the loop de loop. Exactly, yeah. that's what I was about to say. Like, imagine if we were the kind of people who would have taken that. You could have. It would have been a bad deal. You could have ended up. In the a deal life. was that was the thing. Bad. The deal was bad. He would have owned us for the rest of his, for the rest of our careers. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, sure, we could. But yeah, that would have been bad. are ugly as well. Yeah. By the way, yeah, I was yeah, just like, testing them. Yeah, but it's like if someone got caught up, caught up in that. Okay, that's how your life can be ruined because yeah. you then tie down something. But thankfully for us, our naivety and like, uh, go at, like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, like, don't that's be crazy. Damned. You can't yeah. take Lamborghinis. We just didn't do it. And we just stayed grand. And thankfully, our manager as well. And we had a lot of people around us who advised us very well. But like, nothing can prepare you for the kind of craziness when we get four record deals and then there's people flying in to see you. Like, you have to keep your head and your shoulders and your feet on the ground. Like, that's. Something that we did, and we always, and even in my back of my head, I was always just like, keep everyone grounded. Yeah, this, this is they're going to throw any money at you to try and get you. Yeah, there was, yeah, yeah there was never any fear. Yeah. You know, as 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 people, there was never any fear of us losing the run of ourselves. But yeah, but didn't you say like that? Like I look at Adam Clayton out of you two, who of the four of them I've spoken to the most, and I don't know him well, but you know we know each other a little bit, and he to me is the most earthy grounded of the four of them and he was the one who went off the rails the most like he's the only one who ever missed a U2 gig on account of you know going off the rails so I suppose yeah that's that's maybe a slow and steady slide who knows Yeah, I hope that never befalls any of you it's different it's different for everybody I guess Um, we we do talk about though as well about trying to like or we've found ourselves even like thinking on a on a different on a different level but like you know what I mean We, we, we feel like we're embracing the band a lot more and we have in the last couple of years we've we've like I, I always felt like for a long time I was living a double life when the band first started I was like Jimmy and picture this but I was still Jimmy you know I guess because you like you live with your parents you're still exactly. in the small still, town yeah. mentality so, but it's only recently when like you're hardly ever here and you're in like places like LA and stuff all the time and you're working with a lot of powerful people you start to amalgamate it, and all of a sudden we've become the characters and we even said it we're like we want to live the band we don't want to live our lives i think that's kind of a we're still ourselves but like we have embraced this is what your life is now yeah, yeah. because at the start even for me i was like ah no 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 like fame no no no, no, no i'm not famous like yeah. or anything like that or no no you know it's, it's two things but now it's like no it's actually one thing like, this, this is our this is what we are now this is yeah. what we are and it, it feels great you just feel more relaxed and you don't yeah, you know, you kind of just start to 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 be more confident as well that you can be on that level. You sign with Republic, 
they have the Ari- Ariana Grandes and the Post Malones of the world. They love you. You launch from the Empire State Building. We're there. Big hullabaloo. One Drink is an absolute banger. It'd stand up on any playlist, on any contemporary Spotify list, anyone, anywhere, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, a bad launch, yeah. but they're the American label and it doesn't break America immediately. Yeah. But when you don't get the immediate return on investment in terms of the success you've had in Ireland, like you're fucking huge in Ireland. You can sell out, you probably do Croke Park at this stage, right? Yeah. Are you worried there or are you happy that it will take time? Two things. Um, There's a misconception that with Modern Love, Republic were launching us. We did our first album with Republic too. Okay. So that wasn't the launch of us with Republic in America at all. But it felt like it was like that's. I think it was just because the Avery, station came over. Mm. You know, the country knew about it. Like that, Avery Lippman came over for around the time Modern Love was happening. So it's, even if it wasn't for you guys, for the public, it felt like it. Like that's when all the the news coverage happened, and they've signed with this big bollock label. And yeah, but that was the thing that for me when I was reading all of that, I was like the our majorly successful debut album was with these as well. This is not them coming in and now launching us. It was just it was kind of an. Uh, a respect thing for Avery to come over and be like I'm behind this this band yeah. so I, I, I get but um, so but Avery if people don't know Avery Lippman is the, he's the CEO or the chief exec or whatever his title is he's, he's the top the, dog in Republic yeah yeah. he's a f- founder yeah he flew to Dublin for your launch of yeah. Modern Love yeah yeah. Um, so yeah so that's the misconception but I get um, and secondly we we are very um, like for example after the five tree arenas which are the, were the biggest thing biggest thing we've ever done I guess mm. um, we went and did an American tour after that that was a month long and you're playing venues that are like 300 people and demoralising no that's what I was just about to say it's not for luckily for us we're not the kind of people that are like oh I'm not going to do a month long tour to 200 people we just played five nights in the tree arena it was really exciting I was like so excited to go and work a room to 200 people but do you have two different versions of Ryan Hennessy the front man because in three arena you you know you're starting to wear the sparkly suits and can you do that in a room of 200 people where you can look at someone in the eyeballs yeah yeah for sure i'm the okay. same i'm the same person on stage whatever size the, the crowd is okay we all are we all we all give the same uh, energy and if you if you ask anybody who's seen us in in both scenarios they will tell you that because that, that's something I'm, I'm very proud of and i i see fans say that a lot yeah i've seen a lot of fans who have seen us in a big show and then seen us play to 400 people and be like that was the exact same energy yeah and because it's what people deserve like there's a couple of shows on that American tour where our manager's like there's only 30 tickets sold do you want to pull the show no because those 30 people or whatever it is 15 people who bought two tickets they paid the same for a ticket the same as the people in the tree arena did fair it doesn't, mm, so we're not just going to just we're not just going to not show up but did I suppose jumping back to the question does did you feel extra pressure because even if Republic had signed you for the first album, this is the one everyone knows about and you've had the proven success, you're selling the three arenas out and eyes are on you and do you kind of feel like even to save face, fuck, we need to be in the Billboard Hot 100 now with this song? Like there is pressure all the time. Yeah. There's pressure all the time. There's pressure now. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. But does it really matter? No. And that's that's the good thing about Republic. Like they could have easily dropped us a million times if they wanted to, because they're the biggest label in the world. But our albums were successful. But they always say to us, they're "Like this is going to happen," you know. And it's just so nice to have people like that and very high up people always saying to us, "Just wait, just wait, 
wait, wait, it's going to happen. They told us at the beginning, they said, this is going to take three years. Yeah. That's the first thing they said. They said, okay, calm down. We know you're a big band in Ireland, but this is going to take three years and you're going to just have to trust us. So we have, and it's important to always remember that and that these the music industry is different these days and these guys know what they're doing. It's very easy for us to kind of, like we, we could get like like overcome with all the pressure and think because because of the roster I feel like do you in your head now think of it as the songs we write we are competing with Post Malone no No, not at all like because should should you think like that I'm I'm thinking now from a radio point of view I'm going there's only so many songs you can play on a daytime radio playlist and Post Malone's getting played three times a day because he's Post Malone Mm mm-hmm and I guess you probably do have to compete with that. Yeah, you do. But at the same time, Republic are like, for example, they've got the biggest and best radio team in America. Okay. And all that they are ever looking for is something new. They're constantly just looking for a song that's becoming famous on TikTok that's so out there. They want it. And that's what was the draw with us. Like we were so different to them. Like they've got the likes of Post Malone and Drake, like all these, ma- but we're a band. We're an Irish band playing pop music. As soon as you start writing for a radio you might as well just give up you might as well just if if unless that's what you're in it for and you just want radio hits and radio hits and, and money I, I don't buy that funny i'd fight you on that okay, yeah. even though it's coming from your heart like i and maybe i'm just wrong maybe i'm wrong and it's just the medium that you work in and that's what the medium is like i hear that i've heard that answer before and i, I just can't bring myself to like because everyone wants a big fucking chorus and everyone wants yeah. a catchy little hook mm-hmm. and you want some funky wordplay in the ver- like I kind of feel like yeah, everyone but, knows what the formula but, is but you, you still have to do the magic yeah, but in that, that formula right yeah but my, what I'm saying is as soon as as soon as that's your thing that that's the most important thing to you is is writing every time you go to write a song you're trying to write a radio hit that's there's a time and a place when you get a group of songs together and you go actually alright we need two kind of pop songs that people yeah, okay, can fair that, that's what I mean I don't mean I don't mean don't ever write a radio hit because we've had like in Ireland every single has been a radio hit for us Yeah. Um, so we know how to write a radio hit it's just getting it to translate which will happen eventually Yeah. we're, we're very confident in but that's I just mean if that's your only thing and that's and you let that consume you that I have to write a song for radio I have to write a song for radio then mm. you're going because with Take My Hand and the a, a great thing was the naivety of, of me especially I think I never even considered the song being on radio. I was like, because I'm so out of touch with that world at the time, I never even considered that the song could be on radio. So it wasn't in my head. So there's still the magic there and it has the the personality. Because as soon as you start writing a song for radio, you kind of lose your personality and that's why people fall in love with you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as well, you can be be two kinds of bands. You can be the band that goes in the wake of, like, for, for our... Yeah, you can be the band that that's in the wake of the one groundbreaking song that goes. Mm-hmm. That's different to everything else, and you can write. Everyone writes songs like that. Then, like it's like the Ed Sheeran thing. Ed Sheeran comes out with "Shape of You," and everyone's like, "Oh, he can do that. He's allowed to release a pop song like that." Next thing, he opens up a whole lane of people being able to cross over into that kind of whatever that kind of pop. Even like with us, we write "Take My Hand" or Ryan comes up with "Take My Hand." We we put it out as a band, and we create this wake of. There's so many bands that came behind us that were singing songs similar. And who do you want to be? Do you want to be the band that has a has a song that's completely different to everything else in the radio? It's a lot more risky, but it lasts a long time. Or do you want to do? Do you want to stay in the wake of that person and write similar songs and like 
catch the second hand yeah. success. I, I really feel like it's like that. Like, like you, you can see there's groundbreaking artists and then there's the Spotify playlist songs that you kind of go to and listen to and, oh yeah, they all sound like, like Spotify even says it, here's a load of songs that sound that like that sound song. Like, if you like this, you'll like, yeah. yeah exactly. Enough. And there's bands who, and there's people who will write for that. That's where people consciously write and we even see it in writing sessions. Oh no, we need to write a song that kind of sounds like this. You're like, no, nah, because yeah. I, I know from experience of us writing and stuff that every big song that we've had or every successful song that we've had is the song that you never think it's the one. Or you, and everyone says that, but it's true. You never think, oh, that song's going to be radio. Or you never write it for any particular radio or successful reason. Actually, in your own heads, what's, yeah. and it could be different answers from both of you, what's your, what's your most successful song in your own heads? Or your biggest song? Uh, the, uh, how are you defining success in you terms of... define it in your own head. Take what that means to you. Well, success for me, this is going to, again, sound very pretentious, but take my hand as a, in the Irish psyche and yeah. uh, culturally impacted mm. Ireland. Has and that for me That's is fair. that for me is the biggest thing that to penetrate people's yeah. um, uh, lives is it's a classic song now it's yeah. a modern classic song yeah and it's so I'm so proud of that that's the thing I'm most proud of that to me is success yeah Jim uh, I have a couple I want they're not taking my hands I want to follow your answer but like <laughs> I think when you and I came out I think that really made everyone's head turn and go oh they're not just a one a one song. Okay. Trick Pony. Uh, I remember that time when you and I came out and everyone everyone sat up and was like, oh, okay, so what do you want to do? I even remember our manager yeah, was like, yeah. when he heard that song, he was like, oh, okay, so this is actually how this is happening. And every radio station... We got songs, yeah. yeah. Every radio station was like, oh, okay. Yeah, fair now enough. Now we get. And the, the other one, I have to say, was Never Change. When yeah. that came out, it was just like... Which I've said many times. And it's that thing of, like, your time at that worldwide level will come hopefully but if Harry Styles had released Never Change it'd be a career defining song yeah yeah that's the thing yeah. and like look that happens a lot like look at like there's so many bands who release songs and you're like if only that song got a chance or a song was sung by someone else would be huge but everyone has their time and everyone has their moment and we sometimes forget that we've only been a band like like really four years we've only been gigging nearly four years yeah like at all Every, yeah, I think we. I think everybody forgets that. Yeah, it's like we're, I think we're very aware of it actually. And we were very, like, our manager always says, "Oh, I wish we held back on albums and you know we released more, blah blah." But we just want to release music, and again, it goes back to even what we were talking about earlier. Like we have no expectations. Yeah, we're just confident in what we can do, and we just like being ourselves, and that's what made us different. I'm con- kind of conscious of the time. Sure. There's one or two more little things I wanted to touch on. Um, because we gotta go. Uh, Bono there's been a few photos of Ryan and Bono the last while um, so he's obviously you're on U2's radar and Bono's radar Yeah. has he just chit-chatted when you've met or has he is he like the elder statesman of Irish music where he dispenses sage life wisdom <laughs> um, it's kind of a it's kind of a mix of both I met him we only met him once actually and um, was that, Ele- was that? Electric Picnic Picnic yeah 2019 and we were all I think we might have been with you we were somewhere anyway. We were, we were, I think we were with you. And then Brian called our manager and he called us all. We all had missed calls and I think he, went, me. he eventually got through. He eventually got through to you, I think it was, Jim. Yeah, and he didn't tell me. He just said, come to like one of the areas. Right yeah. Now. Like run. Yeah. And then we walk in and we're walking over towards him and then I look to my left 
I was like, holy shit, there's Bono. I was like, oh my God. And then we went over and Brian was talking to Bono's security guy who he knows really well. Yeah. And we and he was a massive fan of ours so I, I just got talking to him and then eventually our manager went over and sat with Bono and then he summoned me over and I came over and sat beside Bono and he introduced himself and he said, uh, I know more about your band than you uh, than you would think. And I just kind of laughed and he said, yeah, I know what you get for room service. That's how much I know about you. And I was like, well, well great. Thank, thank you very much. And he was just, he just kind of, that was kind of, it was pretty much all he said. And and it was just like, yeah, so cool. fair play. He was just so cool. I just love how like, how he knows he's Bono is that he doesn't introduce himself. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't. He just sits there, you come to him and you introduce yourself and you tell him who you are. He which, say, which I just love that. On the surface level could sound arrogant, but no, it makes but sense. It's, it's Bono. He it's is like, Bono. He's mm-hmm. Bono. Like when you're yeah. looking at him and he, he stands up and he doesn't say a word. You, you know, you're just like, oh. And yeah, and it's it's crazy. I'm obsessed with icons and the idea of icon, which I which I realized lately. Okay. I just I just I'm really I'm really obsessed with it. And some people are iconic naturally. Yeah. Some people have to really work for it. And I think it's the same with some people are cool. Some people are cool, but have to work really hard to be cool. Yeah, and he's just—he's just one of those people that is just the most naturally iconic person I've ever met. And I wasn't a big U two fan growing up, or a big big Bono fan. I never really listened to them. Yeah, to, to be honest, the first time I heard um, "With or Without You" was when we did the the album for yeah. for for Two FM. Oh, the Two FM that, that was, album for the yeah, Joshua Tree, yeah, which is crazy. Now now I, I realize that's crazy. Um, but he just even the photograph that we have together, he just got up and stood behind me and put his hands over my eyes and there was a rainbow behind him and I'm like this is the most Bono thing <laughs> in the world ben, ben was standing there and just bang took a shot yeah that's the photo and it was just it's such what a, a photo it's it magic. wasn't staged or anything it was just he just walks around like I'll never forget right when he left like the private area and went through the artist area like yeah. the VIP artist area Yeah, he was walking through and the whole place stopped stopped yes yeah. like I remember everyone all yeah. the bands everyone didn't go near him they just stared at him with, and they didn't even take out their phones. Yeah. Oh, everyone's mouth was just open. reverence. That's, like, a, that's like, 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 he's so famous yeah. that people actually didn't go near people him. People in the biggest band who were headlining Electric Picnic here had their mouths open. Like, holy shit. And were yeah. looking at him and they just stared at him. And it's funny, Crazy. I don't know what it is about the psyche because when we went to see them in Three Arena there a couple of, whatever, six months ago for the Innocence Experience tour, Aoife and my girlfriend had never seen them live. And same again, probably like you wouldn't have listened to them growing up, to be honest, yeah. but kind of knew the songs that everybody absorbs. And when they walked out, she she was starstruck for yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I kind of loved looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of seeing her reaction. Oh my, oh, I never, oh, how do you process this thing? Yeah. And the best book, if I have time, we're on 10% battery, lads, yeah. let's send it home. <laughs> the best thing I've ever seen in my life is about four years ago, we went over to Vancouver to cover the opening of the Innocence part of the Innocence Experience Tour and it was the first night of the tour ever and so they were still workshopping a lot of things out but anyway they flew over some journos and some radio people and the night before the first gig the lady who was organising the whole thing the press tour said the lads might pop in to say hello at dinner the night before the show quick hello it's not an interview don't ask questions if there's not a take out your microphone it's a, a, a courtesy yeah right and said maybe uh, and Larry's dad had died so Larry wasn't there he was flying in the morning of the gig so this is Bono might call in maybe Edge will call in not sure about Adam so Bono, Edge and Adam show up together at the same time they walk into this restaurant a lot of people are in town for the gig um, so I assume a lot of people in the restaurant are fans the night before the gig a lot of people staying over all the hotels booked out blah 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 
And so they walk in and it was so curious because it was like what I imagine the energy of of One Direction walking into a room full of teenage girls, except these were all adults and knew they couldn't jump up yeah. and go, yeah. So I could see like grown men like grabbing their their wives or girlfriends' hands across the table and kind of f- almost like freezing on fuck yeah. fucking you too. Yeah. And it, it was it was the most it was kind of a surreal like out of body experience. I'll never mm. forget it. It's one of the coolest feelings I felt. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's he just they just have that and he has that. Yeah. It's crazy because I've I don't really get starstruck ever. Yeah. But I did. I could feel myself kind of shaking. Yeah. When I was beside him, I was like, "Oh, I've never felt this before. This is weird." Yeah. yeah. It's funny looking at someone like that. You think of all the times you've seen him, or on TV, or music videos, or the gigs he's done. What? Like you're looking at him right there. Yeah. And like that's. I think that's why when he walks when he walks through Electric Picnic and everyone's starstruck, like the biggest bands in the world are starstruck, is because it's so hard to see Bono out of context. <laughs> and you, when you when you see him swanning through there with a beer in his hand. He's so out of context that your brain just can't compute. Yeah. Like he should be, he should have a flag in his hand running in leather pants <laughs> yeah. to 80,000 people yeah. because you never see Bono anywhere else. Yeah. That kind of way. It's just so weird and he's so good at that. He never puts himself out of context. Yeah. And when he is, you just have a meltdown in your brain. You like, don't know what's happening. It's yeah. Crazy. And that's so, that's so powerful and I, I imagine it's a very, I'm, I imagine they're very conscious of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that we um, really look up to and we really um, admire and strive to uh, have that sort of image, yeah, and that sort of thing. That kind of he's so untouchable in the best way. He's very so approachable, so approachable, but like so untouchable at the same time. Yeah. It's like he just has it down to a T. Yeah. Like it's it's like it's amazing. Yeah, very finely. Let's send it home. You're going on tour with Jonas Brothers. That's very exciting. Yeah. I only found out today that this is such a cool little story that and people can see the video themselves. They search for it. I'm sure. Yeah, is that. You were playing the Troubadour in LA. What's the capacity there? 800. Small little show. How many years ago? Uh, it was on the part of that US tour that we had oh, just last been year. Okay, about. so you're playing 800 people, some fans outside queuing, and pure serendipity, Joe Jonas pulls up outside, yeah. like stops at a traffic light. Yeah, he just happened to be stopped in traffic, and all of our fans who were waiting outside, it was like two o'clock in the day. He just happened to stop in traffic outside and he let down the window and was like, who's playing in there tonight? And the fans were like, picture this. And he was like, where are they from? They're like, they're Irish. Uh, you should check them out. And then he, he's like, you see it in, in the video, he says all this. He's like, oh, I think I actually know who they are. And he's like, what's what's that song? And they say, one drink. And then he, he's like, he searches it and then he's like, oh, I love this song. And then the light turns green and he drives off. <laughs> it's so, I've never seen it, just, it until uh, today. Yeah, yeah, and, oh, nor. And it's, yeah, it's crazy because our fans sent us that video and we're inside the Troubadour like, oh shit. And then and then we message him, Joe Jonas, and we're like, oh no, we put up an Instagram story and we're like, hey Joe, if you want to come down to the show tonight, we'll put you on guest list. And he messages us and he's like, um, what time are the boys on at tonight? And then we tell him the time and then we never hear from him again. Okay. Until we get offered a tour with him because he's apparently a massive fan. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Crazy. Yeah. And then the, we were in LA in just before Christmas and they were playing two nights at the Forum, invited us down and we, we hung out with them. And there are they are the nicest people in show business. They are genuine, so genuine. Smart. It's true. You you met Sophie, but you don't watch Game of Thrones, so you weren't completely bowled over as I would have been. I would have fallen I off my chair. So until Sophie came over and sat in Joe's knee, I was like, "Oh, okay." You're the super famous lady <laughs> yes. from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they were they were the soundest. Oh, people. Like so even nice. Nick just came over to us and was just standing beside us for a while. It's quiet. Just 
and they're just so nice. And Joe is such a huge fan. And he's like, oh, oh, like I can't wait to be with you all the time. And let's let's talk about stuff. Let's talk about music. Let's talk about the future. And I want to help any way I can. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, he's yeah. He's so sound. Like. He, he said something like, which I I really loved. He was like, he said, this is going to happen. About about picture this. Yeah. He said this is going to happen, and I want to help. And then so they I was just like, "Want to with them?" Yeah. And it's coming from Joe. Like Joe went to the boss of Universal and said, "I want them." That's pretty sexy. And it's not. It's different when it comes from an agency or something. Yeah. But this is Joe who pulls up a chair to our table and is like, "I'm so excited." For this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was crazy as well because we had just walked in the door and sat down like thirty seconds, and on. Uh, our guitar player actually said that he noticed Joe noticed us and he came like like we were in the, like 30 seconds we sat down and he was over with a chair sitting down what's up nice to meet you he's, like, he's like what can we do let's yeah, do it, it was cool. right, let's be friends that's like, cool and now so look at us cool. going on tour with him it's like wow this year is going to be fun yeah. <laughs> that is going to be fun uh, lads look this might be the last time we see in Ireland for a while who knows what the future mm. holds who knows? Yeah. but uh, yeah keep the head keep the faith and know. bring me on your yacht we will of course on can't forget what you did for us so yeah Thanks again. Fuck. Glad to be along for the ride. Thanks for the time, boys. Thank you. Thank you. Love you long time. So there you have it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Deep Diving with Picture This. The boys just finishing up their tour with Jonas Brothers as this podcast goes to air. If you did like it, please stick it on your socials. Please tell your friends. Please subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. It just means as soon as I upload new episodes, you are the first to know. My guest on the show next week is Saoirse McHugh, a young Irish politician, Ireland's answer to Greta Thunberg, who's talking all things taxation, housing, the political landscape in Ireland, Donald Trump, and dealing with trolls. See you then.